Hello and welcome to the next episode, the second episode of the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren and I'm so excited to share with you another beautiful interview. This one um, with Abigail Van Teese. She is a herbalist, an artist, um, and so many other things. She is doing her work from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania as well, um, in South Philly to be specific. Um, and yeah, in this interview, we talk a lot about her work with herbs, her her art practice, her spiritual practice. Um, but one thing we don't really get into talking about is... Um, She's not just a uh, visual artist. She's also a musician, a singer, and a flow artist. So just wanted to throw out that information about her as well. She is a very multifaceted creatrix. Um, And yeah, so today we talk a whole lot about her her beautiful work and to kind of get into what that looks like. Her line work, her illustration work is hand-drawn using micron pens, combining organic aspects such as botanical studies, animals, bugs, and more with structured components um, such as sacred geometry, things that can be found in nature, and transmuting the emotional experience into tangible Um, She describes them as map-like drawings, offering clues to unlocking the higher potential as super-conscious beings. Um, So yeah, that her work is really intricate. And to kind of go into that a little deeper, um, I would say her work, it kind of hinges in a way on and air it airs into scientific illustration when it comes to like specifically her plants. I think she has a good way of rendering in a way that seems biological, intentional, and really like gets to the essence of these things. And of course, I think that it really works back into, and we talk about this uh, a bit, is her work with herbalism has really played a big role in the steps that she's been taking with her art. Um, It definitely shows I am an owner of a few prints of hers in my house. (laughs) So I definitely um, enjoy her work quite a bit. Um, Some other ways to describe it. Definitely a good blend of the geometric and the organic. And we do talk about that quite a bit. This interview kind of dives into her history as an artist as well and um, where her latest series is taking her. So it definitely has um, a lot of interesting points to it. Um, Yeah. And just to kind of dive into... um, her more her her work with dreams is also something that we talk about as well 
Um, she teaches workshops in Philly. I'm looking forward to, she's actually got some online workshops as well. Um, to look into those, please check out the links in the description box. That's how you can find her. And of course, we'll bring that up at the end of the episode. So definitely check out those resources since she is offering those. Um, and yeah, let's just dive into it. Okay, so let's start with what are you most focused on right now with your work? Currently, I've been focused a lot on this chakra series, and they're basically maps that I've been drawing. So each one of them represents a different energetic center of the body. And what I'm doing is using my herbal wisdom um, to sort of integrate different elements of healing into the pieces so that when you're looking at the image, the visual is actually sort of telling a story of how you can care for those different parts of the body, mind, and spirit. Um, and, you know, I've been using sacred geometry, um, it's a lot of line work, um, but particularly have been taking this kind of shift into more organic work with these animal totems and, um, you know, drawing herbs and things of that nature. Awesome. What was the first um, chakra that you started in that series? Sure. The first piece that I did um, is Svadasthana, which is the sacral chakra. And I actually had just moved to Philly when I started this piece and was feeling really excited um, because I finally had the space and the funds to really invest in larger scale work. So this is the first larger wood piece that I'd done. And I kind of just had this fleeting idea that I was going to draw a uterus with, um, with antlers. And I had this vision and then I kind of told myself, no, I can't do that. It's, it's too abstract. It's a little too eccentric and strange. And then I kind of just started drawing it to see what would happen anyways. And it turned out to be just this really wonderful piece. I, I would say it's probably the most notable piece that I've done um, that a lot of folks are, are familiar with at this point. Um, so that particular piece is all about the, the sacral chakra. Um, and it's got the seed of life. Again, it's got the, the uterus and, um, you know, the ovaries and everything to sort of embody this divine feminine creative space that's not only responsible for our sexual expression, but also our ability to, to create um, and, and to, you know, not just birth a child into the world, not just birthed from the womb of the physical body, but really birthing from this womb of our creative, spiritual inner body um, of self. So the piece is like my absolute favorite for sure. But that was the first one that I did. I would agree that that is like, I mean, I have it as a print in my bedroom, so I do love it so, so much. Um, yeah, it's definitely a super striking design having the antlers coming out of the uterus it's so powerful and i wanted to kind of like tap into where when you come up with this imagery for your work specifically even around the the chakra system what are you kind of tapping into to to get into the energetic space for each center sure so you know just going off of the the sacral chakra piece just to kind of paint a picture um, with this piece, I was really 
existing in a space of anger actually at the time because this was on all, all of these abortion bans were happening and a lot of attacks against women's reproductive freedoms were happening and um i just felt this sense of need to create something um so you know tapping into this process actually came a lot from this deep sense of rage which is something that i've often um you know, inhibited myself from really expressing as a woman. And, you know, I kind of just sat down and like I said, started drawing the central part of the piece. Um, and then really kind of recognized through my anger that I was myself really wounded in that space of my body. And because I, I do work with herbal medicine and I am a deeply spiritual person, I started to kind of question, well, you know, what, what's so symbolic in this space and why are so many folks wounded in this space? Um, you know, this, this energetic field of, of our sexuality, our self-expression, there's so much vulnerable emotion that comes up in this space for so many people. So, you know, I started to just kind of embody this sensation of anger and anxiety. Um, and I was thinking, you know, what kinds of herbs, what kinds of uh, animal medicine even would be really beneficial for me to process these emotions right now? So I ended up working with chamomile, flower in particular, just because they're both so good at easing the nervous system and really calming us down. And um, I think also there's kind of this duality with chamomile, for example, it is actually a masculine plant. Um, it's, it's kind of like this plant of the sun, you know? Um, but I think we often look at flowers and we see this very feminine um, aspect to them. And the same with, you know, the central focus, like the, the antlers are, are seen as this very masculine, um, male, patriarchal symbol. So to kind of juxtapose these different masculine and feminine elements together in a piece that's just so powerful um, allowed me to really embody this sense of, of my own duality. So, you know, turning to herbs and, and um, you know, these plant totems, the snake is kind of this phallic representation, but it's also very feminine in its movement. Um, we've got like a moth and a chrysalis to kind of show this process of physical and non-physical birth, um, like rebirth, and just kind of this like life cycle, um, if that answers. I just ranted a lot. <laughs> no, that was great. I, I mean, there, there's so much imagery to unpack for all of your work. And I think it's so interesting that your visual work really ties in to your herbalist work. Was this series kind of the first series for you to make that connection? Absolutely. So this was the first time that I decided to take a deep dive in connecting the two because I was so fearful um, of changing my style because people who come to know my work is really focused on sacred geometry and these different patterns and tessellations and just sort of go from something so structured and um, calculated and very pragmatic in appearance and to kind of make this dramatic shift into the realm of these more organic pieces. Um, I certainly had a moment of doubt where I thought, you know, what if people don't receive this well, or what if I'm not cut out to do this more organic work? Um, but I found that, you know, through the series, being able to integrate the plant medicine into all of this stuff has actually been really beautiful because some of these sacred geometry elements are like the perfect complement to drawing like a ginkgo biloba leaf or you know a chamomile flower or whatever you might you know reference in my pieces but 
I totally, I very much agree with that. I think it is a beautiful marriage of a lot of, um, you know, the geometric shapes do pop with the organic forms that you have. How do you feel as far as like your ability to, to work with these organic materials at this point now? Yeah. So now I feel like I'll never go back to exclusively drawing uh, sacred mm. geometry, not because I don't absolutely love and adore it, but because there's something so freeing for me, so liberating about drawing these more, you know, flowing structures. And I think that has a lot to do with the way my mind has always worked is very flowy. <laughs> um, mm. And, and tapping into that state where I can just sort of zone in and, and really immerse myself in the movement of whatever creature, whatever plant I'm illustrating um, is really meditative for me. And it really allows me to harness that flow state and that, you know, um, just relinquish control a little bit. Whereas, you know, doing all of that sacred geometry stuff previously requires a lot of precision and a lot of um, very exact you know, um, line work, which is great and also extremely meditative and, and beautiful. But there's just something about being a plant lady and drawing plants. It's just like, <laughs> like you said, it's like the perfect marriage on paper. I don't know. It's just, it's just like my spirit just started to call me towards this work and now I can't stop. I love that. I, I think that's really, it really does show how much you are enjoying it in the work itself. Have you always been someone who's worked a lot with this? Like, I mean, I guess you have to an extent if you've always, if you've done a lot of um, uh, sacred geometry work, but has the black and white kind of always been a thing for you as far as just your artistic style? Actually, I think something that a lot of people will be surprised to hear is that no, in fact, when I first started doing art, um, I, I had a brief moment of painting, um, which sounds crazy for me to even say at this point in my art career, but um, I started out painting with just acrylics for fun. And I would paint mandalas and stuff like that, but I wasn't really invested in really cultivating a style or a voice as an artist. It was just like, sort of like a pastime. Um, and one day I kind of sat down with like pen and paper and really just started drawing out some line work and kind of made a map and like a grid type situation. And all of a sudden I was just completely absorbed and obsessed. I never thought that I was like a good artist or that I could really particularly draw well. So I think um, it is interesting now because I, you know, to say this out loud is just kind of crazy because people know my work is all black and white and the stippling, the line work. So it is sort of entertaining to think um, at one point I was painting really, really colorful, hideous mandalas. <laughs> I think it's so, but it's so important to the whole process. And I love, it's such an artist thing to say like, oh, I created this hideous work. And it's like, <laughs> it all got us here. You know, we all made some really terrible things in the past. Um, oh, I've, I've seen a lot of your mandala work, so I can't say whether I agree with that or not. Um, but I definitely, to kind of like go back to the current work that you have, you know, it's very, um, it's very like so clean. It's so like precise, even though that there's 
these organic forms in there, there's such a intentionality to a lot of the lines and, and everything that's happening. Um, so I guess I'm also curious, um, what chakra are you working on currently? Right now I'm working on Vishuddha, which is the throat chakra. And it's kind of curious that this is the last piece in the series. And I find that communication is probably what I'm struggling the most with right now. So it feels like as I've worked through the series, the piece that I'm working on at the moment at any given time is exactly what needs healing in my own energetic field. So it's been a really, really fascinating opportunity for self-study. That is super fascinating. Um, what, what plants are you utilizing for this piece? Um, so I have skullcap and lemon balm, um, which might seem a bit unconventional, but my perspective for this piece has a lot to do with my own tendency to really um, deeply ruminate. And as I'm trying to find better means to communicate, I've realized that I need to sort of eliminate the clouding in my own mind. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, that means working with plants that really decompress the nervous system and really allow me to feel more centered because while I am a very grounded person, I think um, I'm also, I also have a tendency to be very heady, um, very cerebral. So, you know, in order to communicate a message efficiently, sometimes I need that grounding. So those are the plants that I've chosen to kind of use as the medicine for this particular piece. Mm. And I think that's really powerful um, when you brought up that you've not just been drawing these pieces, you've been like working through that energetically. Is there a spiritual practice that you take part in to kind of work through this as well? Or is it mostly the herbalism? Um, there are a lot of practices. Um, I recently did a vow of silence sort of as this spiritual practice, kind of as an approach to um, more deeply understand the blockages that I have in, in verbal communication and to, to um, you know, more clearly observe myself communicating in other ways. And while there are various reasons as to why I did that, I think it really did coincide with this piece that I've been working on um, because it is really important for me um, because I see art as alchemy, to actually take experiences and emotions that I'm going through in my day-to-day -day life um, and make that a part of the process of creating. So I am very committed to working with the plants that I'm illustrating um, and simultaneously integrating other practices, um, you know, whether that's mindfulness practices or pranayama techniques. Um, and of course, because I am working with the chakras, I'm very interested in Ayurveda. Um, when you're working with these energy centers, when you're working with um, these herbs, what are the other practices that you really tie into spiritually, emotionally? Sure. Um, I think it's really important for one, for me to really cultivate an intentional space when I'm creating. And oftentimes that'll kind of look like, you know, burning herbs and I'll have, you know, like an oracle or tarot deck present. And, you know, um, I'll, I'll kind of ask those energies for assistance and guidance. But even beyond that, um, as of late, what I've been doing specifically because we're kind of in this weird situation, um, I find that, you know, my dream work is really coming in handy. And while it's been a different experience because I'm, you know, not staying in my own space currently, I'm quarantining with some other folks. Um, 
I still feel like the dream work is really helpful. Um, because the more I examine what's going on unconsciously, the more I'm able to translate that into an outward piece of artwork. And I feel like that's just a big part of my process with any of the creative things that I have going on. Um, otherwise, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always drinking herbal tea and I think that's a big part of my practice just to connect with the plant energies more literally and just to kind of embody their energy. Um, but I also do want to acknowledge that when I'm working with plants, for me, it's not just about consuming them or going to them to ask what they're good for. It's, it's also a practice of just sort of visualizing the plants or visualizing the spaces in my body um, and, and sort of just asking like, hey, what can I bring my awareness to right now? Or, you know, what am I experiencing physically or what am I thinking about unconsciously when I bring my attention to these different spaces in the body? Am I feeling anxious at all? Am I starting to ruminate about something that happened in the past and maybe I need to dig a little deeper and connect it back to this project? Um, so, I mean, the, the practices that I like to embody are ever-changing, quite honestly. Um, for a while, I had a very consistent practice in which, you know, I would burn my herbs, I would listen to like Krishna Das, and I would get my oracle deck out, and I would mm. sit down and smudge the panel of wood and sort of call to my spirit guides and ask for assistance and guidance. But to be totally honest with you, it's not always that whimsical and exciting. Sometimes it's frankly me sitting there feeling frustrated and allowing myself to relinquish control and, you know, maybe sketching, maybe journaling, um, you know, allowing the ruminations to sort of guide me towards something, um, you know, more insightful. Because I think, as we're working with all these different energetic fields of the body, it's hard to just sort of stay in this space of, um, you know, deep intentional integrity. And as much as I honor those things, I think it's also really important that we acknowledge the, the difficult emotions that are coming up um, that we might need to honor in a less beautiful way. Um, so that's been a big part of my practice is finding, you know, self-compassion through allowing myself to simply feel whatever the fuck is coming up. And sometimes that's really challenging and sometimes it's not pretty, but oftentimes that's when really beautiful work comes through. And that's when we can become a conduit to really connect ourselves and bridge the gap between everyone, you know, and build this sense of community because we're all going through so many different things um, at any given time. So. So yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question a little more um, generally, you know, I, I do oftentimes burn herbs, create intentional space. Um, I'm, I'm all for mindfulness practices and um, meditation and, and the like. But yeah, I mean, also it's sometimes it's just a shit show. I really appreciate you acknowledging that because it's definitely, again, it's, it can definitely be very frustrating when you were talking about putting on Krishna Das and like put, taking out your deck. I was like, oh, that sounds so beautiful. But the truth is it's like, you know, all of us experience creation with like 50% this or a certain percentage that. And then it's, it's interesting how, um, how the, the work, just showing up for the work can be some of the most challenging stuff and figuring out how to show up for oh, said yeah. work. But 
something that you mentioned that I really want to circle back to is your work around dreams because you do teach workshops about uh, working with dreams. And I would love for you to kind of just go into that a little bit more. Absolutely. So I am so deeply passionate about dream work. I think it's some of the most fascinating and underrated stuff we can dig into. Um, We are just this really perplexing container for this vast expanse of absolute everythingness. And in our dreamscape, we kind of surpass the state of the ego and we're allowed to really just like surrender and witness. And I think that dreams are such a beautiful, beautiful bridge into what we're actually trying to deal with in our waking life. So for me, um, I kind of got started in that work um, because when I was in high school, I was having all these reoccurring dreams about the moon. I would see like two moons and it would be the apocalypse and all this crazy shit would happen. And I, you know, I started dream journaling and I think I was probably like 15 or something. And I ordered a pound of mugwort off of like some herb website. And you can only imagine like how horrified my parents were when they found like a giant bag of mugwort in my drawer. And I was just a kid, but I swear it was just mugwort. Um, But anyways, yeah, I just got really intrigued by this work. And I, you know, I was like, why does this recurring dream keep coming up for me? What is this symbolizing in my waking life that needs to, you know, be hashed out? Um, And I kind of lost sight of the work for a little while. But in the past couple of years, I've really returned to it. And um, yeah, I mean, now I'm, I'm hosting workshops in which, you know, I sort of help people with dream recall and lucid dreaming and, you know, everything that Oniromancy encompasses. And it's a huge, huge part of my creative work. I mean, you know, there are nights where I go to sleep and I, you know, audibly will say, like, I will remember my dreams tonight provide me with guidance, provide me with a message or some type of insight so that I can dig deeper within myself and produce more, you know, conducive work to share with the world. And oftentimes that's when I have prophetic or just really beautiful, insightful visions. So was that like, that's such a funny thing to think of too. A 15 year old buying a bunch of Mogwart and getting it like shipped to them is amazing. Um, was that kind of your introduction into herbalism? I was thinking about this recently. Um, I would have to say it probably was because when I found Mugwort, um, I ended up doing research. I was a really, really strange kid. Um, but I started doing some research and I um, discovered new tropics and got really intrigued by that and and just like biohacking and all these different cognitive wellness approaches and you know over time as i started to get older um i discovered like l-theanine and like you know just started like really getting intrigued by like all of these different things that we can take to enhance our cognition our memory our focus um and I ended up like finding myself working at this health food store for a while. I was there for several years and ended up working in their apothecary. And that was kind of the start to like really finding a deep passion and a deep purpose with plant medicine. And um, I would say like my, my deepest interest lies again within the brain. I'm just so fascinated by neuroscience and psychology. And um, you know, I think there's just so much untapped potential within the mind. And so, you know, things like dream work and herbs go hand in hand because they're all about sort of, you know, integrating 
um, all aspects of the self. Um, uh, I don't that's know. That's awesome. No, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what was the end of my sentence? <laughs> but yeah, so I think I, I think that was probably the um, introduction into plant medicine for me, for sure. That's amazing. I think that's that really shows such an interesting tie between everything as well, because I feel like, you know, and maybe you probably will agree when we get into the creative space, when we get into the making space where everything is flowing, it can be very like dreamlike. It can be in that state, that sort of level of awareness. And I think that is such a beautiful tie to kind of have through this whole experience for the most part for you, like mugwort being your gateway drug of, of choice. Is More or less. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is um, interesting that you bring that up. I mean, the flow state that I experience while drawing or creating anything is really comparable to the experience of slipping into a hypnagogic state right before we really fall into a sleep cycle. Um, and in that space, you know, so many great thinkers um, have, have concluded things or like come to realizations and had epiphanies while in a hypnagogic state. So I think there is certainly a link um, between just the, the um, brainwave frequencies that we're experiencing when we are in a hypnagogic state and when we're in the flow state. I think they're quite comparable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I get um, one last question I want to kind of like wrap up everything with is, um, you know, you're working on the last piece of this big, how many years have you been working on this series? It's been since last March, I want to say. So it's been just over a year that I've been working on this series. Yeah. What are your plans for after this, uh, this series? Yeah, so I certainly would like to display the series as a whole somewhere. Um, of course, with quarantine, I'm not entirely sure what that will look like. Um, I will say another part of the project that I've been slowly working on is piecing together write-ups for each of the pieces because it is very visually overwhelming in some, in some capacity. Um, there's a lot going on in the pieces. They're really detailed and there's just a lot to see and, and to interpret. So I've been trying to um, create kind of a guide to the maps. Um, so that folks have a deeper understanding of my process, because as much as I love having my work up for interpretation, um, I think it's also really important that in the space of healing, um, people can, you know, more deeply connect with the plants and, and understand their use and things like that. Um, so that's, that's going to be sort of a follow-up project. And beyond that, um, I have been slowly working on a new series. Um, too much away yet, but I'm really excited um, to be started on something new. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, you can slowly start to see what that looks like. But um, I have a lot of ideas. I actually, technically, there's two series that I'm working on because I have, um, you know, I started doing this like animal totem series um, in the midst of finishing this final chakra one. And then I, you know, there's another series that you, you just, you can wait and see. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to see. I did not know about the secret series. So, um, 
yeah, with that, would you like to let everyone know um, where they can find you and find the secrets? Sure, find the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram at The Shape of Sanctum, and you can also find me on abigailvatisseart.com, and it's Abigail, A B I G A I L, Vatisse, V E T T E S E, art.com. Um, otherwise, I am on Facebook at Abigail Batiste, and I don't think I have any other social media, do I? I think that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Abigail. It was a pleasure talking with you about um, your work. It's been just really beautiful, and I look forward to seeing all the, the new work that you're putting out. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you for um, showing up and listening to today's episode. I just wanted to pop back in with a little check-in um, to share one more <laughs> little tidbit. Um, about Abigail to kind of like round things out because I forgot to mention this earlier. There's actually a really beautiful connection between her and Rachel, my other guest um, from last week. They both came together and hosted an abortion rights fundraiser. Um, and they were able to raise some money to help uh, defend women's rights. Besides that market that she took part in, it was a market fundraiser and they did a silent auction. She also takes part in quarterly art markets at Tattooed Moms. Um, so just wanted to kind of throw those things out there to maybe entice you to really, you know, follow the links, start to follow her and, um, you know, in a way, get active through participating in whatever capacity you can um, in her activism, in Rachel's activism. One of the most magical things about being an artist and being part of an artist community is what artists do for the collective and I know that's a weird note to end on, but I think it's really poignant because both of my interviewees have been people that have such a strong passion and have um, such a such a uh, knack for community building, for creating that space. And so, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being present with this. Um, yeah, I hope this was helpful for you, good for you, um, and yeah, I look forward to our next episode that will be with Melissa Haggerty. So until then, be well, be good, and be safe. <laughs>